and welcome to The Story Project. Today's guest is Austin Sora, a proud Canadian based in NYC who has built a career in dance that spans theater, concert dance, and commercial work. Described by Dance Spirit Magazine as the dancer textbook definition of versatile, Austin has performed across North America with the Phantom of the Opera, at Jacob's Pillow with Bruce Wood Dance, in Lil Uzi Vert's Demon High music video, and can be seen in commercials for Patron Tequila, Society 6, and Beachbody, among others. Austin's been the show supervisor for Step One Dance Company, as well as an assistant to Marguerite Derricks, choreographer of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Austin's choreography was featured in Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS 34th Annual Easter Bonnet Competition. As program manager at the Broadway Green Alliance, Austin co-authored the Greener Reopening Toolkit and has lectured on sustainable practices at Lincoln Center, FIT, and Playbill's Curtain Up Festival in Times Square. In today's episode, Austin discusses the ins and outs of her versatile career, how a supportive environment is beneficial for everyone involved, and how healing from a serious injury changed her perspective on dance, taught her how to truly take care of herself, and brought her back to the joy of her career. Here is the radiant Austin Sora. Great. We are here with Austin Sora, who is a magical jumping da- I don't know why I said jumping I was gonna say like jumping bean or something is that a I'll thing I'll take that yeah a dancing artist advocate everything she's just lovely and before we get into the actual resume bio situation I was wondering if you could start us off by telling us what your human bio is so what exists for you as your bio off of your resume um yeah of course thank you for having me I'm very excited um so I grew up just outside of Toronto Canada in a town called Pickering um with my parents and my brother and uh, I grew up doing a lot of sports surprisingly i did a lot of cross country running i did uh i snowboarded growing up and yeah it was a lot of fun and i got into dance when i was about 3 3 years old and have not stopped since then yeah i it's so funny when you said human bio i was like okay birth start with birth <laughs> 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 this has to be detailed um yeah, so I I um I have been dancing my whole life. I graduated um from high school and I went to college at Marymount Manhattan College in New York City. And um I was actually just planning on being there for one year um because as an international student it was really expensive and my parents and I agreed that I would go for a year and then we would kind of regroup. Um and see, you know, finances and whatnot and we figured out that I, I ended up being able to stay for four years, which I was really grateful for. And it was one of those things that I like graduated and then I was like, okay, well, I have one year of what's called OPT that you can like stay in the country and work. So I was like, okay, so I'll stay for a year and then I'll go back. And then after OPT, I applied for my visa and I was approved. So I was like, okay, I'll I'll stay for three more years and then I'll, I'll go back. And it's just kind of been that every kind of landmark milestone. I'm like, okay, this this one more thing and then I'll go back. And it's been 13 years now, so <laughs> wow. it's wild. I'm still here, still kicking, still mm. kicking, still kicking, <laughs> <laughs> kicking bean. <laughs> the kicking, 
<laughs> a kicking, <laughs> jumping, bouncing. Game. I don't know where that came from. Well, that's incredible. And I'm glad that selfishly you stayed for those years at Marymount because I would not have met you otherwise. That's or at least true. I wouldn't have met you then, but maybe there would have been yeah. some overlap down the line. Maybe. So yeah. what was your training like back in Canada before you went to Marymount? So I started out at a studio called PSB Dance Academy. Um, and it was a ballet school primarily, although they offered, you know, all sorts of different genres of dance. Um, and after when I was in going into grade six, I auditioned for the National Ballet School and I was accepted. And so I moved away from home at age 10. Um, and, uh, I lived in their dorms and we went to school there and we trained there and it was like a whole kind of college situation <laughs> at age 10. Um, wow. which I loved. It was like summer camp all the time. And I was there for two years and then every year they kind of evaluate you to see if you are, if they want to reaccept you. It's not like an automatic thing. And after my second year, they decided that my knees were not were little knobby knees and they weren't hyperextended and it wasn't the right line for classical ballet so they said that I couldn't go to the school anymore so I was pretty devastated uh and I went to another ballet school for a year or two after that which wasn't the best fit and so I moved back home and went back to PSB the original studio that I was at which was interesting because at that point it had turned into a competition studio kind of though it mm. still had like pretty strong ballet roots and so I was kind of like thrust into the competition world like halfway through high school which was big like culture shock yeah <laughs> and it was I I thought it was very just a very interesting world to exist but yeah and then and then after that I just I decided that I wanted to continue pursuing dance and that's I, I applied to Marymount um when I was graduating and continued down that path. But yeah, I jumped around a lot to different schools as as a kid. That is horrible that you got kicked out for your knees. I mean that and it's so classic. It's and unfortunately yeah. learning something like that so young probably has some kind of long lasting impact. Did you feel that at all? Yeah, definitely. I think in a lot of different ways at different chapters of my life. I um, initially, I had a lot of conversations with my teachers and directors at the time at the school. Um, and they were in their own way trying to be very supportive. Uh, and in hindsight, it, it's just interesting um, because that the ballet world is just so particular and has been for so many years. Um, and I do hope that it changes. But um, they were trying to be like, you know what, well, why don't you pursue, you know, like maybe you could do jazz, maybe you could do something else, maybe. And it was just at the time they were trying to be really supportive. And in hindsight, I'm like, I I could have still done ballet. There was nothing I could, I can still enroll in classes. I can still take it. I can still like pursue this thing that I'm passionate about. Um, and so I I wish that that part of the process had have been like, you can still do this because um, it took mm -hmm. me a long time and a really roundabout way to figure out that like there's more than one path to get to where you want to go. And just because this particular path wasn't going to work, it didn't mean that I couldn't still get to that <laughs> destination. Um, 
And luckily I had a really strong support system at home and um, they, you know, kind of eventually we got there and they told me that and that I I figured it out. But um, at the time it really felt like the world was colliding or it was collapsing and, and um, that, that what I wanted wasn't going to be possible. And I was only like 11 or 12 at the time. So you just don't have that perspective to know to like question things at the time I was like, Oh, that's just how it is, I guess. And I'll just have to be really sad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So yeah, it, it definitely gives me, I think to this day, a lot of imposter syndrome around like being in ballet spaces, but then also like being in like more modern dance, musical theater spaces, I feel like, oh, but I'm the ballet dancer there. But then in the ballet world, I'm like the contemporary modern musical theater dancer. So it's it's interesting just kind of navigating those different identities and just clocking the fact that my brain wants to label these things um, mm-hmm. when you're, you're just a person <laughs> yeah. just doing different things. So um, yeah, it's definitely been interesting to objectively like just like take a step back and see how it's um that particular like event in my life has affected how I view myself as a dancer and as like a person um and I'm I'm proud of myself for what I've kind of taken away from it and how I've navigated that but it's definitely um been challenging and I I just hope that because I'm sure that this still happens and I hope that um, the the ways that people deal with it and people like provide scaffolding for these young dancers has has changed a little bit. How do you feel like that stuck with you as you went into college and do you feel like there was more support for who you because when I think of you I think of like one of the best ballet dancers Certainly in school, and I haven't really seen you perform since then, but I saw you dance and perform a ton in college, and you were just a ballet queen, and I had no idea any of this backstory was happening. So I'm curious how um, Marymount had a fairly intensive ballet program, especially if that's the trajectory you wanted to go down. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I coming into Marymount with – so much ballet focus on ballet training um coming into a space that wasn't just a ballet school made me feel like oh i'm capable of doing this particular thing and when i you know my freshman year i was put in like a higher level and that you know gave me a little like confidence boost and i was like okay yeah maybe i can do this um and i think that uh it was a really good fit for me in terms of a school because they had that as part of their foundation, but then they also had a focus on modern and contemporary. And and so I think that it made me feel that I, because I think because I was quote, like good at ballet, it, and that was something that they valued that mm-hmm. um, all of the rep and all of the, like, I got cast in a lot of things because of that. Um, but the, the things that I was getting cast in weren't necessarily like ballet pieces. Mm. And so I think that because they were like more contemporary, it made me feel like this one skill was like transferable, I guess, or like that Mm. there was more crossover than I had like previously realized. So yeah, I think it made me, 
I think that experience made me realize that things aren't just like black and white um, and that I have the capacity to like excel in more than one thing Mm -hmm. and more than one like genre, I guess, that I have like divided them up in my brain. (laughs) Yeah. Were there any teachers or choreographers in particular that you feel like really helped nurture you in school and helped you see what you were capable of? Yeah, I think in I mean, I think in different ways the the faculty that were there um I think were generally really supportive of me, um which I'm grateful for and were very encouraging and I think could see that I had put myself in this box and like whenever we had little check-ins, they would always be like you can do this, you know, you can like dig in a little deeper and like show different parts of yourself. Um, Just as a whole, I think that was just the general kind of consensus or general like messaging I got from them, which, which really stuck with me. That's incredible. Yeah. I've had so many conversations with people from our school in particular, and there's a lot of people who walked out super broken and mm-hmm. not feeling supported. And w- I just remember, you know, whether it was, a cu- I think, a couple of years ago when we were talking and you were telling me about your experience. And I was like, I'm so grateful that you were able to have that much support because it shows that it's possible. Right. It shows right. that you can go into and walk out of a program like that and not be broken and be built up and supported. Mm-hmm. And it gave me a lot of hope. And so, yeah, I'm just very glad that you were able to have that experience. And then when you graduated from college, what was that experience like going into this? I don't want to say the real world because that sounds so silly because your college world is a real world as well. So into the chaos of (laughs) pursuing a dance and performing career. How was that for you? Um, It was. A very interesting experience. I think that there were a handful of people in my grade when I graduated who had jobs before we graduated um, and even like took time off school to go do those jobs. And I remember being like feeling behind. I think every graduate feels like that when you're kind of like, you know, it's like a race to get a job, uh, Mm. which I hate. Um, but I just remember being like, okay, I have to, I have to do something. I have to have something lined up. I have to whatever. And I think a couple weeks before I graduated, I ended up getting an apprenticeship with Buglisi Dance Theater, which is like a gram-based company. Um, and it was funny because it was like a year long, uh, intern or not internship. What's it called? Apprenticeship. Um, but it ended up being like one performance in the fall and that was kind of it. (laughs) And so it, I was like, I thought I had this like year long thing lined up, but really mm. it was like a month. Um, and so I was kind of like, oh, shoot, I have to find something else. And because I only had the one year of what's what's called OPT, which is like you can you're allowed to work in this country. Um, it's not a visa. It's like this kind of in between thing that tacks on to your student visa. So you're allowed to work, but it has to be directly related to your major, I think. Um, and so I had, I could work, but it had to be like related to dance. So I was like <laughs> scrambling to try to like find things so I could stay in the country. And I ended up getting a job 
Wow, this is taking me back. I ended up getting a job at Bush Gardens in Williamsburg, Virginia, um, doing a Christmas show. And that was kind of my first introduction to like more theatrical kind of dance and um, more, I don't want to say commercial because it's not a theme park. I don't know that I would say is commercial, but um, it was like a different part of the dance world that I didn't really ever consider pursuing. But I just was offered this job and I was like, sure, I'll do this. And I really enjoyed it and I made some really great friends and it kind of opened my mind to what was possible. And I started pursuing musical theater a little bit more. And um, yeah, so I feel like my horizons were just opened a little bit. Uh, so so that was really exciting. And I started going to all different auditions. Um, and it was it was just like an interesting year of just throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what stuck, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it was, I think it also taught me that, again, I could like, I was capable of doing different things and more than just one thing. And that I still to this day put myself in a box. And I just have these reminders, like every couple of years of being like, you can, you can do things that, you know, are outside of this box you put yourself in. <laughs> Um, and so I feel like that was kind of my first lesson in in that or a continuation of the lesson, I guess, from college. But um, but yeah, wow, this is like therapy. I'm realizing. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, oh, That's yeah, right I guess time. I do think that. <laughs> yeah, I'm always thinking about and writing about the boxes that I'm putting myself in. So I mm-hmm. really resonate with that phrase in particular because it's so easy to get stuck. And then when you think you're getting out of one box, you realize you're just putting yourself in another box. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that to this day, I'm like, oh, I think I found my fit. I think I found what I'm good at. And then I'll find something else and be like, oh, wait, maybe that wasn't the right thing. And I'll be like, Austin, it's not a box. Like, it's just a constant thing that I'm battling. (laughs) Yeah. But at least at least I'm aware of that. I think that's a big thing. But I think we all do that. Yeah, well, can you tell us about your di- you've had very varied job experiences between your work in Dallas and on a tour. So if you could just tell us about that because that's already showing that you don't exist inside of a box. And you also yeah. have your other work that you've done too. So just if you could just tell yeah, us yeah. about all the different colors and textures of Austin Sara and her professional Yeah. Work. <laughs> um, it sounds like a children's book. Um yeah, so I I ended up getting a a spot at Bruce Wood Dance in Dallas, which is a modern company. Um, And it's largely the work of Bruce Wood, who was a modern choreographer. He worked with Twyla Tharp and Lara Lubavitch. And um, just he was a phenomenal choreographer. And I love, love, love his work. I wish it was more widely known. Um, So I, I danced with them for three years. And it was such beautiful work. I loved it. but I really missed New York a lot. And so I came back to New York and decided I wanted to pursue musical theater. And when I came back, I ended up booking um, the Phantom of the Opera national tour. And that was just, um, it was such a wonderful experience. It was like one of the best years of my life. I, we toured around to these fantastic cities. It was a very cushy contract. It was the first time I was like getting paid as much as, or realized that, you know, you could make a, a like cushy living <laughs> as a performer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was very eye-opening. 
Um, and just performing in a musical was very different being around actors, being around like these enormous crews and sets and everything was just such a different experience. And I felt like a fish out of water, just like having to Google like what different people's jobs were. Cause I didn't, I didn't know the pecking order. I didn't know like the hierarchy and I didn't know like who to go to for what. Mm-hmm. And I would like ask one person something and they would be like, oh, that's actually not my job. And I just was so I had no idea what what was happening. So that was a big learning experience. I loved it. And yeah, so those two jobs back to back were very, very different. And I I loved both of them in different ways. And um, yeah. And then on top of that, I have had this kind of like side career um, that I I took a minor when I was in college in arts management. And I just decided that, you know, it was a smart thing to do. After I'm done dancing, I'll have these skills and I can like have this glorious admin career when I'm done dancing. Um, And that was always kind of like the plan. And I've ended up kind of having these simultaneous careers because I've been working in the nonprofit sector since I graduated kind of pretty consistently. I started out with um, while I was still in college, the Clive Barnes Foundation, which is now the Clive and Valerie Barnes Foundation, I was working there. And then I hopped over to Arts Ignite for several years, which is a fantastic arts education organization. Um, and now I work as the program manager for the Broadway Green Alliance, um, which is at the intersection of sustainability and theater. Um, and it's kind of two things I'm very passionate about. And I, I love that I'm able to kind of do this work while still pursuing performing, um, especially in these organizations that are, are in the arts and they feel adjacent to my performing career, but it's not completely the same thing. There's still overlap, um, but it's it's great. And I, I like to use that part of my brain um, and I like mm-hmm. to help people. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's that's nice. I think my family, I grew up in a family that was very involved in nonprofits and in community work. And that's kind of just like a part of who I am. And so the fact that I'm able to do this work while I'm performing at the same time is um, something I didn't know was possible. And it's been a nice surprise. That is so inspiring to me because something I've been writing and thinking a lot about recently is how I feel like I'm not helping enough and there's so much suffering in this world and there's so much that can be and should be changed. And I don't know how to navigate doing these things that fuel my soul, like starting this podcast and my teaching business and acting in these things with something that feels like tangible good doing. Mm-hmm. And what I've reflected on is that I'm still unraveling so much trauma and so much pain. And there's so much time and energy that artists have to spend on utter bullshit that doesn't matter, like worrying about knobby knees or worrying (laughs) about bad feet or whatever it is. And having to focus on that and be so down about that and have that be something that occupies space in our brains is such a waste. And so it makes me so angry that we've had to waste so much time on that, but it also is so inspiring and feels so hopeful to hear 
the work that you're doing because it is possible to both make a direct impact on people and also continuously improve yourself and pursue what you want to do in a performance setting. So I really am always astounded by you, but I love the work that you're doing. And I think that that's a huge part of why I'm so desperate to help artists heal and feel supported because we do have this desire and desperation to help and better the world, but we're so preoccupied with our own pain frequently that we don't have the ability to go out and do that work. So the more we can heal ourselves and heal as a community, the more we have the energy and the time and the heart space to go and do the kind of work that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Well, I think also with that said, I think that, you know, you as a teacher have such a capacity to help other people. And I think you're, um, you're, I think you're talking yourself down a little bit there because I think that you, you do have a tremendous impact on people. And I know that I've been really inspired by you and the way that you like navigate your friendships and navigate your, your student teacher relationships and how thoughtful you are as like an associate. And I just know that everything you do, you do very, very thoughtfully. And I think that sets an example for me and for whoever else you cross paths with. And I think that there's, yes, there's like a very tangible like way to help as like a volunteer or like to, you know, donate to a food bank or something like that, which are wonderful and necessary. But I think that like the way you live your life is also helping people. And I don't think you should discredit that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. No, it's true. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah. No, I it's true. I'm so very much. inspired by you. I love you. I'm inspired by you. I'm I was so happy <laughs> that we that you agreed to do this with me today because you're just a true light in this world across the board. And not to now bring it down, but I really want to hear about this horrible freaking injury you just had and the immense strength and patience that it took to overcome it and to be where you are dancing again now. So I can't imagine what an emotional emotionally and physically challenging experiences has, has been for you. And I've just been like cheering you on over here. Not that there's anything oh, I can do you. to heal your Achilles, but you know. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a rough time. Um, I So in May of 2022, I was at an audition and uh, I very unexpectedly partially ruptured my Achilles tendon, um, which was very strange. Um, I've never had Achilles issues in the past. Uh, and so it was just like a very scary thing. I had irritated it the week prior um, and was kind of like babying it a little. And I was like not really thinking anything of it because I've never had an issue with it before. Um, and I just went to the audition and it just suddenly like had, I felt a little pop. And it wasn't like something that I thought rupturing your Achilles would feel like. Mind you, it was like a partial tear. So it wasn't a whole thing. But I I was like, huh, that was that was weird. Um, and so I just kind of hobbled over to the side of the room and I like snuck out the door and just sat in the hallway and was like, that, that was strange, but this kind of hurts. Um, 
And so I like hopped back in and was like, okay, I'm going to go. Um, but thank you so much. This is so fun. Uh, <laughs> and um, I was at city center and my, my friend Emma came and rescued me cause I couldn't walk. And so she, she brought me a, an office chair from another floor and I, she wheeled me around city center <laughs> and down to my doctor. Um, and yeah, I found out it was partially torn, which was a huge shock. And uh, it was a lot of just waiting for it to heal because you can't start any PT or rehab until it's healed. Um, luckily, I didn't have to have surgery. So that cut off a lot of the waiting time. But I was in a boot and like not able to really do anything for um, maybe four months, three months, four months. So it was not great. <laughs> I I watched a lot of TV. <laughs> I did a lot of work. Um, and I mean, the silver lining was that because I wasn't able to dance or perform, I didn't need to be in New York. And so I was able to spend a lot of time with my family. I was in a long distance relationship and I could go visit my boyfriend. He was out on tour um, luckily he's back now, so that's not a thing anymore, but, Good. um, but yeah, so I got to spend a lot of time with people I loved, which was really the silver lining of everything. Um, but it was really hard, uh, to be kind of feel really separated from the dance community and to, you know, I, de I deleted Instagram for a long, long time because it was just making me sad, just comparing mm -hmm. myself to other people and getting, some FOMO and all that. So just mentally, that was really challenging. But it was interesting because at the same time, I felt a little bit of relief not having to audition and not having to hustle because just kind of in the same way that I felt during the pandemic was like, <clears throat> I, if I was like, quote, unemployed or like auditioning, uh, and like not booking a job, I was like sad because it was because, oh, I'm a bad dancer. Or, like I'm not the right fit or whatever. But if I had an excuse as in like the pandemic or an injury, then it wasn't my fault, quote, 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 <laughs> mm -hmm. that I was unemployed. And so that was weirdly just an interesting thought that crossed my mind that I have clocked. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it was, you know, there was a time that and and kind of around that time that those thoughts were happening that I was like, I feel relieved that I don't have to be hustling and auditioning right now. Like maybe, maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. And I decided that like, I wasn't going to dance anymore. I sold all my leotards. I was like, you know, it's truly, I was like, yeah, I told a couple of my friends that I have made this decision. I applied to a bunch of corporate jobs and then I started PT and I felt in control again. And I felt like I was making progress and the progress was quick. Like it's, it was astounding just after the amount of waiting, once you start strengthening, like your body is smart and it like learns and adapts really quickly. And so I was like, oh, this is actually fun. And I like this and I like having something to work towards and maybe I do want to dance. And I got back in the studio finally. And I was like, oh, actually, I, I guess I do love this. I kind of forgot how much joy that dance brings me just for myself. And I was like, okay, I guess I uh, have to find some leotards and have to find like, you know, <laughs> I think I do want to dance now. <laughs> and I remember like when I finally could get to a place that I was like back in New York, back auditioning, those first couple auditions were like the most fun I've ever had dancing in my life. 
And I was like, wow. oh my God. Like it was like a light bulb that I was like, oh, auditioning can be fun. Like dance can just be fun. And it can be, you know, I didn't care if I booked anything. There was no pressure. And it just like gave me this whole new perspective that I was not expecting. Um, and so I feel like I kind of have like fallen in love with dance again. And uh, yeah, that was a big takeaway. And I was like, oh, damn it. Why did I have to like have this year long injury to learn this? <laughs> yeah. But I did. And um, I'm grateful for it, even though it was really hard. <laughs> That's an enormous point that I always try to make to my students. Like if I catch someone that's a really hard worker and I go up to them, they're not, they're like ninth grade, 10th grade. And I go up to them, I'm like, so what do you do for fun? They're like, what? <laughs> like, you know, like what, what brings you joy? And they look at me like I'm crazy. And it's because, yeah, of course, you can have dance bring you joy. You can have things outside of dance bring you joy. But it's not what we prioritize at all. Yeah, yeah. And I'd be interested to hear what your trajectory was. But for me, like, I enjoyed dance. It was who I was. Love, 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 love. All through high school. And I completely lost the joy in college. Yeah. Yeah. And it took so long, basically until I did Fiddler again, to realize that it could be so joyful. And actually, now that we're talking about auditions and getting in the room and having fun in auditions, Fiddler was the first audition that I walked in and I was like, this is fun. I love Aww. this show. I love this music. This the, the environment is so great. We were standing on the side while other people were doing the choreography and I was jumping up and down and I was just having fun. And yeah, it just I felt love that. right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that is such a valuable thing to recognize that it makes sense that you lose the joy because it is a job or in college mm -hmm. it is a grade. And it's really hard to fight for the joy. And yeah. sometimes it takes something like what you experienced to find it again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's also like, you know, now that I'm, I've been back for six months, I think, since like back in the audition room, it's still fairly recent, but I can already feel like, you know, I'll be in auditions and I'll feel like my nerves taking over or feel like the stress of it. Or I'll be like, oh, I don't want to do this, whatever. And uh, I'll be like, Austin. Don't forget, like you have the capacity to choose to find the joy in this and you can choose to, you know, you can get out of it what you want. And um, I think I just falling back into old patterns. I'm like, no, okay, no, I'm we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> we're mm -hmm. we're different now. Remember that because and it's just so much more fun and it's really empowering to know that you um, are able to kind of choose for yourself, like what you want to get out of things and how you want to show up and, um, what you want to bring to the room for yourself and for other people. And, um, yeah, I think that's just a really powerful thing that people, um, myself <laughs> needs a reminder of sometimes. And to be perfectly clear, it's not saying that you should just be so grateful you get to dance no matter right. what, no matter how you're right. treated, no matter if you're given crumbs and that's all you're going to get and you're not treated well or paid well, whatever it is. It's not saying that at all. It's yeah, it's about finding the right opportunities where you are safe and supported mm -hmm. and then saying 
call then calling out your bullshit. Like go, if yes. you're so nervous to go to an audition, but it's actually something where, oh, I feel like I might actually be paid well and treated well and I like the team and I like the show, but I'm just so nervous and it's so stressful because I want it so badly. That's how you can talk yourself back into the heart of it and the joy yes. of it. And talk yes, yourself those out are of two very different things. Yeah, 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 yeah. To be yes. very clear, <laughs> I talk about that with friends all the time who are auditioning yeah. constantly and like, this is so miserable. I'm like, yeah, a lot of your auditions probably are miserable with a lot of icky people. Yeah, that's yeah. probably true. But there are good ones and we just need to fight to find the good auditions and the good people to work with. And we have to make opportunities too. We have Yeah. To and I think that yeah. And I find that with classes too. I've found like mm-hmm. the teachers who inspire me and who I think create a really warm environment in the room. And I I think early on I had taken a theater class with in a room that was very kind of felt cold and a little cutthroat and like not fun. And I was like, oh, I hate theater classes. I'm not going to any. Mm -hmm. And recently I've discovered, oh, wait, there's there's different environments with different people. Huh. (laughs) Imagine that. And so I've like rediscovered my love for like taking classes from different people and being inspired by different teachers and choreographers. And um, that's been a, a new discovery for me. Uh, that I'm I'm grateful for, but yeah, it's it's amazing what a difference the like team leading the room can make, and um, it's it's disappointing when those people are creating a room that's not fun to be in. But then when it is, you know, it it just it is so lovely when it's a nice room to be in, and you can tell everyone feels supported, and um, mm-hmm. we need more of those. <laughs> Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yeah, that's why I enjoy being on the creative team a lot because I know being on the other side how vital it is to treat people well and with kindness and respect and positivity and support and honesty. And I like being in that position because even if I've only been an assistant or an associate I'm not leading but I'm leading in some capacity yeah. I do feel like the energy I bring and the support I bring can make a bit of a difference mm-hmm. um but also I just want to touch upon the classes thing because there are a lot of again like icky environments out there in classes and there are some really beautiful 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 environments and teachers and peers to be dancing with and taking other classes with and i've been petrified to get myself back into classes for many reasons that being the intimidating or stressful environment is one factor um and so when i went back to take class again I think like two summers ago, maybe last summer, I can't remember. I went to Steps and I took a beginner, like absolute beginner ballet class to mm-hmm. reintroduce myself to the class space. And I let it be all about enjoying ballet and doing yeah. it because I loved it. And then I did that once and I thought I was going to do it for months. And then I moved to an intermediate class because I was like, okay, I can, it's back in my body now. I can move on. Yeah. But I gave myself the space and the kindness to say, let's just 
ease into this. And also one more thing about that that I feel very strongly about is just because it's like you said, oh, I thought I hated um, taking a theater class. Yeah. And for so long, I thought I hated dance in general Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because of what my experience had been. And it's taken me and it's still taking me forever to unravel that and be like, oh, wait, I never hated dance. I hated the environment I was in. I hated this teacher's class. I hated how I was treated. And so I really try to stress that a ton to my friends and my students. Like, If you catch yourself in any kind of thought pattern like that, really question it. Mm -hmm. Is it really that you don't like this thing or is it that there's something off about the environment? Yeah. Yeah. There's just so many factors that go into your experience of something. And I... I feel like for myself, I often will like paint with a wide brush and be like, oh, well, I just didn't like that. I don't like this anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. And it could just be one person. It could just be like a comment. It could be just like a small thing that has like snowballed. And it's just important, like you said, to be asking those questions because you don't want to accidentally let someone else take that joy from you um, Mm -hmm. without you realizing it. Um, Mm -hmm. when there are so many rooms that, you know, will let you up and inspire you and make you feel like yourself and, um, empower you. So I think I, I just always want to be kind of finding those rooms and finding those people and it's sometimes Mm -hmm. hard and that's okay. (laughs) This is why you will be the absolute perfect associate. Everyone hire Austin (laughs) Sara. She is the dream to work with. So, such an incredible performer, such a kind human being, and so incredibly professional and smart. So smart. So we need Austin in more rooms, okay? (laughs) Everyone listen. All (laughs) two of you listening, hire Austin. No, there's going to be more people than two. At least <laughs> at least three. Just kidding. There's going to be more. Yeah. <laughs> as long as one person listens to this and gains something from one episode, it is 100% worth it to me. That's it. It's going to be great. Now, I think I'm excited to listen to these. So you have at least one. I'm listening to all of them. <laughs> okay, good. So uh, Austin, hire Austin. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but no, I think I'm excited. I think that's one of the reasons I am interested in being an associate and being on a creative team is for the same reason as you is that I've, you know, been in rooms that feel icky and I've been in rooms that light me up and I want to be part of creating that space for other people. And it's something that Mm -hmm. I'm really excited about. And I've, you know, watching you do it has been inspiring to me and I want to follow in your footsteps and do that. So yeah. Also just, it's so wild for you to say that to me because so what I met Austin we were in school together and she was two years I think two years two years and we did the movement invention project together a summer intensive and it was after my freshman year so after your junior year I think yes and I was obsessed with Austin (laughs) and I was like she's just so nice and such a beautiful mover and I was like I just want to know her and she was the older kid and she was so cool and amazing (laughs) and my sister Andy did the intensive with us as well and so like we're both just like 
oh, we love Austin. We love Austin. And so over the years, as I would get to know Austin, I would say, Andy, guess what? I'm getting coffee with Austin or guess what? I'm getting a phone <laughs> call with Austin. I'd be like, oh my gosh, she's so cool. Anyway, so it's, a, I, it's, it seems silly, but honestly, it's such a good reminder to look back at your younger self and say, hey, you're actually peers with and friends with this person who inspired you so much and who you looked up to so much and still do. I don't know. It's just a nice, yeah. sometimes you just got to celebrate those little wins. <laughs> That's so sweet. I remember in the bathroom at that intensive, you were like, hi, I don't know if you know who I am, but I go to Marymount. And I was like, yeah, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> It was, that probably made my life. It was so cute and sweet and like, but also like that, I've also done that to people too. So I like totally have been that person as well. And it was, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. But I am also glad to <laughs> be your friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's good. It's nice. It's it's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. It's a, uh, I recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> highly recommend. 10 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing too that you can have I mean school can be very overwhelming, certain jobs can be very overwhelming. You just never know how the people who are there are going to impact you in some way mm-hmm. long term. So I'm friends with you now. Some of my teachers from Marymount, I still talk to on the phone and get coffee with and they're not just mentors anymore, but friends. And it's something you would never think yeah. is possible. So it's that's really something unexpected. I also always, yeah. I think it's incredible to see the people around you as people that you want to connect with. Mm-hmm. And whenever anyone's talking to me about having a hard time with the term networking, like, oh, it feels so icky, it feels so fake. I'm like, networking is just connecting. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, you can do it in an icky and a fake way, 100%. Yes. <laughs> but I stay in touch with people because I love people and I love the people mm-hmm. I stay in touch with. And I'm like, oh, I want to know what's up with them. I want to be able to support them. I believe in them. I want to tell them I believe in them. I want to have a coffee with them, whatever it is. That's networking. Yeah, exactly. It's just building relationships and you can yeah. do it in a genuine way and enjoy it. And that's, I mean, you're in my network, so. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah. Same. It's like you can go and catch up with a friend and also you can recommend them for something. Yeah. Yeah. It is neat to be, you know, so many years out of school and to be able to recommend people for things and to be in that position. And it it feels really good when I'm able to, like, give people a job or, like, help people, you know, connect. It it feels really good. And it's neat mm-hmm. that we're kind of, you know, in that position now. Yeah. My f- favorite, one of my favorite things that happened this year was I got to sit on the audition panel for um, C- Cinderella at Jiva Theater. I was the associate director. And so we had auditions in New York at Ripley. And it was the first mm-hmm. time I was sitting behind the table at Ripley where I'd done countless auditions. And I wrote five pages of notes about what I wanted to share with my friends that I thought was going to be insightful for them as actors and as dancers and 
how to show up in a room, how to not show up in a room, what to say, what not to say, what to do, what not to do. And I was like, I felt like a detective almost, or like a (laughs) – you're on the inside. You're a secret agent or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt like that. And not in a – Like a spy. (laughs) Yeah, like a spy. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, oh, this is good. They shouldn't be spending two hours getting ready in the morning because you walk in for 10 seconds and then you (laughs) out. Like, don't worry about your hair, girl. (laughs) You know, (laughs) these things that came up. And I'm like, oh, I hit the jackpot and I can (laughs) then distribute this. Like, we're all in one – community and it's been so I hated the feelings of walking into auditions where you're oh, hi thank you so much for having me I'm, I'm so grateful just to be in your presence <laughs> thank you so much and it's like um on this side of the panel we can't do our job if you don't show up so thank you I'm grateful yeah. that you just showed up for yeah, us yeah oh what and was your biggest takeaway oh my gosh I had so many my biggest takeaway is that it is so fucking random <laughs> it is so random. Being good, being a good actor, singer, dancer is the baseline. Yeah. Like like everyone's is, good. Everyone's good. Yeah. Some people are better than others, of course, but like sure. There's going to be a baseline of who is going to be considered and then it is incredibly random. Mm-hmm. It is in a dance call, it's like, "Oh, were you stuck in the back corner for this run and this person in the front right just captivated my eyes so I didn't even really watch you and so Mm -hmm. you didn't get a call back it can be that simple yeah and I remember I learned that young I learned that while I was auditioning because I we would go to so many auditions and you were with your friends and you'd be watching your friends and I would be like that's bullshit they I saw the panel not even look at her Mm -hmm. and she killed it and she would have probably Booked it had they even looked at her, but they knew this person and she was standing in the front. And so she was the one being watched. And she's the only one in that group that I saw. I saw one resume put to the yes pile and I know mm-hmm. it was hers because she's right yeah. there, whatever yeah. it is. So yeah, I learned that young, but um, it's so random. Like if, if you sing a song that meant something to me, Maybe I'm a little Mm -hmm. more engaged. If you come in and – I don't know. I mean, let me say something a little bit clearer. It's not totally (laughs) random. It's not like, oh, you walk in, I like that person, I don't like that person, done. I just mean that they're – not random. I should say there are so many factors involved. Yeah. And different things will resonate with different people. Yes. And it can be super technical or logistic, like – We needed really strong singers because it Mm -hmm. was a small ensemble. But other times, like with Fiddler, you didn't really need to be a good singer to be one of the dancers. Mm -hmm. So, so much of it is just the luck of the draw or the size or, oh, I am doing this replacement and I already have this costume. And so it'll be easier if I just throw someone in because they have to start tomorrow and we don't have time to make them a whole new costume, whatever it is. So my biggest takeaway, all that said, is you come in, do the work, have your lessons, take your classes, be as ready as you can, learn Mm -hmm. the sides, prepare the songs, whatever it is, and then just know that all you can do is your best. All you can show is yourself. 
And also people want to work with you as a human. So show who you actually are as a human. Mm-hmm. Don't feel like you need to put on an act. And like again, yeah. this is me. This is me sitting behind the table. I'm sure other people disagree with this. Yeah. Well, no, I think what you're saying is pretty universal. I don't think anyone is like, put on an act. <laughs> I don't know. I maybe, don't know. Some maybe people like to have their ass kissed, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's honestly very true. Um, I don't want to be in that room, but <laughs> exactly. I'll run head. I'll run head first. I'll run out of that room so fast. Well, that's great. So if you want to work with Jess, <laughs> be yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, it was. It was. I had so many fun takeaways. Like, wear something you're super comfortable with. Um, put yeah. fun things on your resume that you might. Like that just might intrigue somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to quickly circle back to the injury because mm-hmm. whether you have a serious injury like that or you have like a chronic illness or you're depressed or you're anxious or you just like actually can't get into dance class because you don't have the money or whatever it is, when you're taken, when you have some reason where you can't do the thing you love or you have a complicated relationship with it, it can be really heartbreaking and confusing. And I wonder what your journey was with actually being forced away from it. How did that impact you emotionally? And like, did it change your relationship at all with your body? Yes, definitely. Um, I think, well, what was interesting was when the pandemic started, I had just gotten off tour. I was doing eight shows a week and um had this like very set routine and the pandemic happened and you know we didn't return to dancing until it had been a year it had been a year plus and i think my body had changed a lot in that time and my routine had changed a lot and i did not think about taking care of my body i didn't think about like having to you know the maintenance of it um And I think that's why I got injured because I was just being pretty like haphazard and just being like, oh, I'll go do this audition and then not dance for two weeks and then go do another one. Like, that's fine. Um, And um, what I have learned is that my body, as it gets older, needs different things. And um, the maintenance and the, you know, I'm doing my daily PT exercises. I'm making sure that I'm fueling it properly. I'm trying to drink water and uh, all of these things, you know, I'm trying to do this. It's not perfect, (laughs) but I'm prioritizing them. And um, I am noticing a difference. I'm, I have more energy. I'm, I feel stronger. I feel like I can do different genres. I can hop back and forth a lot easier. And, um, I think that's something that's so important moving forward and that's going to serve me in the long run. And I'm going to have a lot more longevity with my career. I'm going to be able to, you know, my body will hurt less, hopefully, (laughs) Mm -hmm. as I get Mm -hmm. older. Um, And it will prevent more injuries from happening um, in the future. So I think that it's, you know, and and also i also am better about checking in with myself and honoring like what my body needs day to day and if i have signed up for this class or is planning on going to class and i'm just really like not feeling it 
if I've pushed myself to go take class, it's not going to be a good experience. Um, and so I like know that now and I know that like I can not go one day and not judge myself and know that that'll make me feel a thousand times better the next day and I can get so much more out of class the next time I go. Or like if I need to sleep in or if I need to like take a nap or if I need to stretch a little bit, like just listening to what my body needs and honoring that and not judging that has been a big game changer as well. That's huge. Yeah, it's hard. It's like a big lesson to learn. And I still, you know, struggle every so often with feeling lazy and being like, no, you promised yourself this. You need to go. But mm -hmm. um, yeah. And if my Achilles is hurting one day, I'll be like, oh, I need to strengthen my glutes. And I didn't know that before. <laughs> and so just a lot of a lot of like educating myself about what my body is trying to tell me and um, listening to that. It just keeps me more in touch with what I need. And my goal is just to make myself feel good. <laughs> yes. Just That's emotionally, so physically. Important. Yeah. It makes me think about how for so long after college, I couldn't get myself to move or take care of myself at all. Like, yeah, I was so overworking my body and pushing it way too hard in the wrong ways all throughout school. So when I graduated, I was like, I'm never going to think about my body again. And I mm -hmm. didn't move my body at all. I didn't care how I fueled it. I went the complete opposite way. And then I found yoga and I figured out how to find more of a balance. But I think what can be really tricky, especially if you are navigating a complicated relationship with dance, maybe you don't dance at all anymore, or maybe it is a complicated one like with me. And so I find that I still struggle getting myself to actually properly care for myself because for so long, eating a certain way and moving a certain way was completely correlated with how well I would dance or not. So it was mm -hmm. like, move your body because you want to be a good dancer. Eat this yeah. way because you want to be a good dancer versus how about I fuel and nourish myself and move my body in a way that will actually make me feel good and properly care for myself. And then if I happen to be able to dance, that's great and it's a bonus, but I'm not only paying attention to that because there's some kind of outcome I want right. yeah. as a dancer. Yeah, I think fueling yourself and taking care of yourself as a person will make you be someone who enjoys dancing as opposed to eating a certain way and, you know, having a certain lifestyle so you can be a good dancer is, yeah, it's very restrictive and it's very, it's just not sustainable. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's, um, especially as you get older, I think I know that like in college, and programs that are very like rigorous and scheduled, there's less flexibility or there's more consequence, I guess. It's it's a little bit more complicated. Um, but but yeah, I think there's still a way to to figure out and listen to your body and and communicate that with people if if there's like pushback or whatnot. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's very complicated. But I think that's just something that is so important in terms of like if I don't know, and I feel like even in like a college program or like in a company or, or, you know, a place that there's like pushback for taking time off or like 
for listening to your body, that's all just temporary as well, which, <laughs> and I think that I, I just remember when I was at Bush Gardens, it, we were at an outdoor show, we were in an outdoor theater and it was like, it was really cold. And someone in the cast was like, I'm going to take it easy because my career is not ending at this job. And I was like, oh, wow. And at the time I was like, that's lazy. And now I'm like, wow, that was very wise. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like there's life yeah. after this current chapter. Yes. So you got to play the long game. <laughs> yes. The third to last day of this Cinderella contract, I got a concussion. Oh, and no, Jess. Someone dropped a battery from the balcony <gasps> and it hit my head. <laughs> no. A small battery, but enough to give me a concussion. And it was like right at go time. It was start of previews. It was like we were about to do our first run. And that's when as an associate director, I was like, I mean, the whole time I was working a lot, but this was a new level of that. Mm -hmm. And I remember talking to the general manager and she's like, what do you want to do? You want to go to the doctor? And I was like, yeah, this job is not worth me having brain damage. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going to rest. Yes. I will rest for the 48 hours that my doctor tells me to rest. Mm-hmm. And I am not going to sit in a theater with all the lights and the sounds and the fog and the this on my computer with the mm-hmm. lights and the clicking and the brain focus and everything <laughs> when I'm supposed to be laying in the dark with nothing. Yeah. I will not break my brain for this job. (laughs) Yes. And it sucked. I wanted to be there so badly. I had put in so much work. I loved this company so much. I was so proud Mm -hmm. of them. I wanted to see it through. And so it was was not an easy decision, but it was an obvious decision to me. Mm -hmm. It was like, yeah, this freaking sucks, but it's it's the only option. I won't even consider pushing through this. Yeah. Um, And if you did push through it, it also would have been a disservice to everyone in the long run. If, you know, that meant taking off more time or if it meant like you not being able to show up fully for everyone. Like, I think you're also doing everyone a a service by taking time off. Yeah, I I agree. And so as we're going to wrap up, I want to ask you one fun question. Do you have any funny or embarrassing or whatever, like audition stories or show stories or things that went wrong? I love when things go wrong. It's the swing in me. (laughs) Yes, I do. Um, (laughs) I think so. My very, very first musical theater audition um, was for Marie Dancing Still, which is formerly Little Dancer that Tyler Peck was in. Um, and I had a teacher who was like, oh, they're looking for like short ballet dancers and you fit the bill. So you should go. And I was like, I don't really sing. I don't really do musical theater. I had just graduated. And she was like, just come. It's fine. Just come. And so I went and I did the dancing and it was fun. And then I got asked to stay to sing. And I, the night before had known that it was possible that I was going to have to sing. And I went to my musical. Oh, no. So I went to um, a a gift store in Times Square and I got I didn't know where to get music. And so I went and bought like a score, like a souvenir score from Annie. And it was maybe and it was one of those like big cardboard, like 
learn how to play piano for kids scores. And I like was going to take it into the audition. And at the last minute, I talked to one of my friends who I was like my musical theater friend. And I was like, I have this thing that I bought in Times Square from Annie. Like, do you think this is good? And she was like, absolutely not. Let me give you a song. And so she gave me I love those people. (laughs) Yes, she saved me. I am glad that I asked her. And so she gave me like a single sheet, like a little tiny cut. And um, so I I ended up having to... to sing. And so I walked in with the little paper and I put, you know, gave it to the accompanist and that much I was, you know, it was a success so far. And I went to the middle of the room and they were like, okay, like start your song, go ahead, sing. And I started singing and I like looked the people behind the table dead in the eyes. And as I was singing, just like stared them down. And within the first like three seconds of the song, I was like, shoot, this feels really awkward. I don't think you're supposed to look at the people who are looking at you, but I've already committed to this. So like, I can't, I can't change my decision now. Like I would look, I don't know, for some reason in my head, I thought that would look like I was like a flaky person that I didn't commit. And so I was like, I'm committing to this, even though it's really uncomfortable. And so once it was like completely unbearable looking at the first person, I like went down the line and looked at the second person until it was like unbearable. And then I would like go back and forth. And <laughs> and the song ended and I was like, thank goodness that is done. I never have to do this again. And they were like, wow, that was so great. Thank you so much. They were so kind and like so gracious. And they were like, we're going to have you do it one more time. And in my head, I was like, damn it, I, I cannot do this again. And they were like, this time, just look, just look up above us. You don't have to look at us. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I kind of gathered that. <laughs> But it was mortifying. But here we are. We we survived. <laughs> that is a great story. Yeah. And I got a yeah. call back, which is very funny. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. That's one thing to remind dancers of who are going into the musical theater space and who are a little bit overwhelmed. Like mm-hmm. there aren't really that many things that you have to figure out that you have to yeah. learn. There's really not. No. But you, you'll you just learn have it to your learn first time. Them. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. yeah. And so if you have someone or if you could take a class or ask anybody who's done it before, what are the basics I need to know? Like if I just had asked, I think I would have been in a much Mm -hmm. better position. Get a couple songs you're super comfortable with. Take a bunch of voice lessons. It's expensive, but it's an investment. Mm -hmm. Most teachers will let you or a lot of teachers that I've had at least will have you record the lesson. And yeah. so you can go and play it back on your own. It's not like every time you want to sing, you need to pay that money. Mm-hmm. Get a couple lessons, un- understand your voice a little bit better, get a couple songs that are good for you for the different kinds of things you'll audition for, and then talk to somebody about what happens when you step into the room, where to look, how to talk to the <laughs> pianist, where to stand, yeah, and like what it means, oh, I'm going to start right on this note or give me this note. Can, can I hear my first note? These little things, it's not that many things. And then you're going to feel so much better and you're going to feel so much more confident. So mm-hmm. invest the time and the money early in your career to just learn it and figure it out. And then you're going to be fine. Because I had so many unnecessarily awkward singing <laughs> calls. And I, yeah. I think that there were so many calls too I went to where – I was so desperate not to sing yeah. that I look back and I think, 
could I possibly have been dancing to my fullest extent? Because I desperately did not want a callback because oh, that me meant too. I'd have to sing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I used to like sabotage my dance auditions and be like, please, please don't get a callback. I don't want to sing. Yeah. And now in hindsight, I'm like, what was I doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can you can do it. And also the other thing is that you do not have to be the best singer in the world. Like you yeah. do not have to be the best singer in the world to be dancing in musical theater. You have to know what's up and you mm-hmm. have to be able to keep your melody or keep your harmony and harmony. <laughs> harmony. <laughs> Your harmony and figure (laughs) that out. But you don't need to be able to cover a principle. You don't need to blow anybody. You just kind of have to sometimes be good enough to not stand Mm -hmm. out in a bad way. There are shows like that. And that's totally fine. So don't feel like you have to – don't let the fear of singing hold you back in that regard. Just get as confident as you can get with what you have and Mm -hmm. you will have – you will find the right jobs for your ability in yes. singing. Yes. Because there's always like, I feel like there's like the different skill sets and they're all like on a dial. <laughs> yes. And you know, certain certain ones you need to be like a 10 for dancing, but like a two for singing or like, you know, the yeah. dials change for different jobs and you'll find one that matches your skill set. Yeah. Yeah. I, my fiddler singing audition was horrific and mortifying and <laughs> I still ended up covering some of the sisters yeah. and having to have that so it was fine I just wish I knew and and like you're saying that person who helped you I had someone in my fiddler callback help me who was a singer yeah. who was our Chava oh. Noah she was so I remember it so clearly I was like hey Okay, I'll just say it quickly. I was singing my friend's song. It's just such a oh my gosh! I, I want to hear my it. friend Thomas Hodges. He's a composer, a brilliant composer, and I was singing um, one of his songs that he wrote in a musical, and it was because our casting director Jason Styers came in to the room and said, listen, I know a lot of you are dancers and you're probably nervous about singing. Sing anything you feel comfortable with, anything at all. And I was like, that's so amazing. Okay, great. I was going to sing 16 going on 17, but I was so much more comfortable with my friend Thomas's song because I had sung it a bunch of times before with him. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So like 10 seconds before I go in, I like get to that sheet music and I go and I bring it in and it's Jason and it's our associate choreographer and our associate director. And they're so lovely. And they had been holding the kindest, most supportive environment for the auditions up to that point. And so I started and the ending, no, I just completely, I was like just completely wrong. And it was this huge note. And I was like, wrong. It's just wrong. It feels wrong. It sounds horrible. I don't know what happened. Jason's like, okay, why don't you try it again? And this is like um, our third callback or something. I can't remember. And so I try it again. Can't figure it out. The pianist is like showing me the note. This is the final note. Do it. Can't figure it out. So what I learned is that Thomas had updated the song in the sheet music, but I didn't know the new version. And I wasn't aware enough to like be able to figure it out in the moment because it was so ingrained in my body. And I wasn't mm-hmm. comfortable. I was already panicking. And Jason goes, okay, so 
why don't you try singing happy birthday for us? Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, and he's so nice. And they're all so nice. They could not be more supportive. And I was like, okay, okay. I'll sing happy birthday. So mortifying. And then I get a final call back, miraculously. And we do all of the dancing. And it's everybody. It's like Bartlett shares there and the entire team. And we do all the dancing. We go into this other room and we're getting ready to sing. And I was trying to figure out, I was going out to people and I was like, I don't know what to do. Jason told me I should just sing happy birthday again, but I think that I can't sing happy birthday in front of Bartlett Cher. Like I think I have to <laughs> sing a real song. <laughs> and so I went up to Noah who ended up being our Hava and she could not have been lovelier. And I was like, what do you think I should do? She goes, definitely sing 16 going on 17. <laughs> she's and like, went, there's no question here. Yeah. She's like, do not sing happy birthday. <laughs> and and I was like, I know. I think he was just trying to be nice and didn't want me to make a fool of myself. Oh, so that's why he said to sing it. Anyway, so I went in and I sang 16 going on 17 and it went well and I got the job and I got to Yay. the sisters <laughs> and Chava and all of that. So it ended up being fine. But man. Just that was nice of her to help you. Go you. In. It yeah. was so nice. She was – I will never forget that kindness. You never forget the kindness that happens in audition rooms when you're trying to yeah. help people or have people help you figure things out. It's mm-hmm. It can be so stressful and to have that little bit of humanity. Connection. And, and, yeah. Yeah. Whew. Man. Yeah. Oh, That was I know. Time. It's scary to ask for help, but you always – you know, people are always willing. Yeah. And I think also that was the only time in my entire two and a half or three years of auditioning after school that I ever got a call back mm-hmm. ever was with wow. anything related to Fiddler. Yeah. And so at that point, I think I was also just like, I need this. I want this. I'm right for this. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to do what I can to just put my best foot forward no matter yeah. what. And you were like Whereas, willing to go through the uncomfy bits where instead yes. of like sabotaging. Yes. I I was so desperate to do that show that I had auditioned in April 2018 and there was like a callback that same day. Then there was another audition August 2018 there was another callback, and then I didn't book the tour. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not doing musical theater because this is the only show that's ever felt right to me. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm not meant to do it. Yeah. And then I like <laughs> went away. I was like, I'm moving to California and all this stuff. And I went out there and I came back. And then the following May or something, there was a post about a singing call for Fiddler. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go show up again because I'm going to do the show. Like, I'm going to do the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And by that point, I went to Jason and and he was like, Oh, it's nice to see you again. Whatever. And I was like, listen, I'm gonna be here for a long time. <laughs> I don't remember what I said, but I was like, This is my show. This is my oh, show. Oh, that's so nice. So anyway. Yeah. Well, sometimes you gotta fight out. a little harder. It did work yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Austin, I Love you so much. I love you so much. Thank you so much for having me on here. This was fun. I'd love just like chatting with you. Yeah, I just love chatting with these brilliant, beautiful artists. And I'm like, let's just let other people hear what they have to say. Yeah. That's simple. <laughs> Hello. Let's just get this. Mic I know, I going. forgot we were recording. <laughs> <laughs>
That's the point. That was my hope. (laughs) I know sometimes I say things that I'm like, do I want that to be public information? Sure. Why not? (laughs) What are we holding back at this point? (laughs) Well, I love you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I I love you too. Can't wait to see you soon. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It's a dream come true to share these stories with you. And I hope that there's something that you can take away that betters your life. We'll see you next time.